Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good way to start. Uh, All right. Uh, well, welcome everybody to the Tableau on Tableau podcast. My name is Charles Schaefer. Thank you for joining us. You may have noticed that we've been off for a couple of months, uh, but I like to think of this as beginning as season two. And what better way to kick off season two with Dustin Smith, who's the man who is the reason I work at Tableau. Uh, True story. Some would say, uh, because we worked together at a previous <laughs> job and then he left and went to Tableau and then he told me I should work there too. And now I do. I missed you, Charles. Um, I missed you. Yeah, I miss you too, and it turned out to be a good thing for both of us, so I'm, I'm glad it happened. Um, Dustin, introduce yourself and, and tell our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do. Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm Don't Dustin. talk for too long, please. I know Dustin has the propensity for, like, if, if you get him started, <laughs> like, 75 minutes go by and you realize, like, you haven't said anything, so... But, but you're so much smarter at the end of that 75 minutes. It's all... <laughs> it, it's it's so true. I mean, I'm only three cups of coffee in, Charles. Don't worry. It, it's not it's not going to be too bad. No. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I'm Dustin. Uh, work at Tableau. Uh, yeah, I've worked at Tableau two weeks longer than Charles because I got here in like the second day. I was like, Charles should work here. So yeah, we've been uh, we've been hanging out as Tableau data nerds for a long time. Started in pre-sales together. High five. Uh, moved over to marketing. Yeah, I was hanging out with community manager, doing the forum stuff for a while. That was awesome. Uh, hang out with the Zen Masters at Tableau Bunch because they're awesome. Product marketing, hanging out with our technology partners and doing cool stuff there. And then most recently, I jumped over into product management, work for uh, Big Mark Reader, big man himself. Uh, yeah, Ooh, I, I think. Reader. Hello. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. Oh, Tableau Jedi. Ooh. Name drop. What? Yeah, uh, you know he's 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 living that Hawaiian life these days. So I'm pretty sure. Do you think he's um, up yet? No, probably not. I don't. He he runs early, man. Like he 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 claims he works Pacific time. Now, who's Pacific time is a good question. But I mean, he no, lives he, uh, in the middle of the Pacific, so I right, think technically right? any time that he's up is Pacific time. Is probably what Mark would I say. Think, I, I, that's exactly what he would say. Actually, I think he has said that to me. Uh, yeah, no, um, it's it's uh, it's pretty awesome. I work in development now, so you know my seventy-five minute rants are. You know, normally in marketing or sales, people just, people just tell me to shut up. But in, in development, they just they just kind of look at me like, and then they just put their headphones back on, and I just keep talking. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's how most people react to Dustin these days. Um, <laughs> so. Uh, I have a bunch of things I want to ask you about, Dustin, but I think the, there's a greater theme to our episode that you suggested to me, which is kind of this this idea of Tableau Insider. Um, and yes. I want to set this up here. So I, I think to maybe uh, maybe make this sound more important than it actually is, um, I think we kind of live in the Silicon Valley era of business, right? So And, and I use those terms intentionally because of like the tv show and the perceptions that come along with that but am i am i am i guilfoyle am i can i be guilfoyle sure you can be whoever you want to be uh it's just okay. it's just yes. a podcast like it's not like this is going to go anywhere um there, I already made a t-shirt. Here, here's what it means to me so there's a lot of investment money out there technology is evolving extremely rapidly and the people investing in things don't necessarily understand what they're buying um and i think that's inextricable from the fact that 
there's more young people entering the workforce and the idea that a company should be a community, right? And all of these things are kind of coming to a head right now in business based on what I've seen at Tableau and and at other companies that I work for or or who are my clients. Um, So we wanted to spend some time today talking about what, what it's like to work at Tableau and specifically what it's like to work at a company filled with as Dustin would put it, data enthusiasts, uh, not data nerds. <laughs> Although you said data nerds no. in your little intro there, so I don't know about that. I, t- I told you to self-identify. I can't. It's muscle memory. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it, it's kind of funny because we we worked in this position for a while, you and me, called product consultant in the pre-sales organization, which was sort of, I guess, I, I don't know if it's um, if it's conceded for me to say this, but I think we kind of became like the cultural epicenter of Tableau for a little while. Like it, there was a few of us, we were all kind of of the same age. We worked really closely with the sales team. We kind of got to goof around for, for part of our job because a lot of our job was just be good at Tableau, right? Yeah, so, epicenter is like a nice way to put it. Like, <laughs> like... Cultural, yeah, epicenter doesn't. Is it, no, yeah, no. it doesn't mean a good thing. It just means the center <laughs> point, right? Unavoidable. Um. <laughs> but one of but there's all these stories that we have from working in that job and other jobs throughout the company, or stories we've heard from others uh, about how how your job can sort of be manipulated or changed by being a data geek or a data nerd or a data enthusiast, whatever you want to call it, uh, working with, uh, just having the mind frame where you always want to investigate something or interrogate something or, or learn something or tell someone something at a, uh, at a party or, or whatever that is based on facts. Um, so, you know, we spend a lot of time when we're selling Tableau talking about all these great business decisions you're going to make based on Tableau. A lot of it is just being curious and, and, understanding the world in a different way. So totally. Uh, these are all fun stories from working at Tableau that um that I think tells you a lot about what it's like to work with our technology or just be interested in data but also are are fun and interesting. So the, what's the first one you wanted to talk about, Dustin? Uh can we talk about the tropical island paradise that Tableau owns? Can we yeah, talk about so, the secret so, island? Um, so for those of, should we, um, should we tell our listeners a little bit about what this is? I mean, uh, (laughs) when we, when I started Tableau, we started both when we were releasing version six and prior to version, um, was it version seven or version eight where this went away? It was seven. Okay. So prior to version seven, uh, when you made a map in Tableau, and this still happens today. If, if there's something that Tableau doesn't recognize as a geographic area, you can make a map and Tableau will tell you, well, we couldn't find this thing, right? But prior to version seven, it would actually create a data point on your map that was just in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, which happened to be at zero latitude, zero longitude. And we would do all these uh, trainings and, and demos and things like that. And it kind of became part of our talk track to say, well, we, we like to refer to that as Null Island. And sometimes it would get a little chuckle or something. But then Null Island sort of, uh, it, it started to take on a life of its own. And this is where started, the story comes it in. It totally did. <laughs> <laughs> it totally did. So, so I, you know, I was researching this, right? Because, I mean, you and I, like, when we started, people just talked about Null Island like it was a real place. Like, oh, yeah. And it was always in reference to, like, where data was going. They're like, oh, I went over to Null Island or, like, something, something, <laughs> Null Island. And we're always like what in the world and so yeah no island zero latitude zero longitude like off the coast uh, the uh the west coast of africa right just boom right there and so 
you know, there's all these crazy references. I found this. I found this email. I gotta. I gotta read it from you. It's. It's from the man. It's from Mark Reader. Uh, this was uh, September 2011. <laughs> it's 6.1 releasing. It's okay. So this is this is classic Mark, right? Uh, and he's like, he sends an email to the entire sales team, and it says, as some of you have noticed, we recently had a couple of zip codes move across the ocean to Null Island. In our efforts to support peace and tranquility, and to prevent them from falling into the hands of competitor, we invited them back. It was a long and hard negotiation, but with the help of your sales leaders, especially Josh, that's <laughs> Josh Tello, um, Tableau has convinced them to rejoin the union. <laughs> Capitals. Uh, please join oh, God, me in welcoming back our joke. wayward zip codes <laughs> by deleting your current demo data and downloading the reunification version. And this is this is Mark, right? He literally wants the sales team to like get rid of their demo data, but he like writes this big like treat us on Null Island um, and this you get, you get a shout out in this one you get a shout out Charles oh, really? uh, in order to ensure the success of this transition we've implemented the Schaefer plan <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember this <laughs> And have not attached the files to this email. Please retrieve the new demo data from here. And it's a link out to our intranet, right? Um, As a bonus, uh, there's a new field um, and some other stuff, right? Thanks, Mark. And yeah, like, because you had had come up with the brilliant idea of, hey, instead of like blasting out Excel attachments, why don't we just put them in a centralized place? And everyone was like, that's awesome. But yeah, like this is, this is the I'm not sure that's actually why. I think it might have just been Mark trying to make fun of me and saying Charles doesn't (laughs) attach things to emails, which is possibly something I've done before. Uh, But like, I think Mark, like Mark has, has a lot of jokes that have kind of become Mark humor over the past several years. And I think one of the jokes that he's tried to make a thing and hasn't become a thing, thankfully, is just everyone make fun of Charles all the time. Uh, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't, I don't put your stuff on a pedestal there. I think, I think he's willing to turn that that ray gun against anybody who who's in like a you know two mile radius. But okay, but I yeah, enough. you might be right on that front. But right. like that puts a great point though, like Mark humor. And so this you know we're talking about what is it like to work at a company where like everybody's you know a data nerd quote unquote, and like you know you kind of mentioned you know we we help people you know do the data thing every day, but then it's not like that turns off in our our work conversation or personal conversations and like that leaks into everything and like how we you know this default behavior in our in our software turns into null island and and but you talk about like if we trace the lineage of that like mark humor like the very essence of null island is kind of like one big mark joke even though he didn't create it like you just get this this there's these things that are just rampant at tableau we'll cover a couple of them i think (laughs) yeah it's just so yeah yeah, so, so I think it's, um, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, like what you can learn from it, I think there actually is something you can learn as someone who works with data. And Wilson and I did a podcast uh, several months ago where we were talking about like what it takes for someone to take on a new project or a new technology. And one of the, we kind of had a list of points saying like, if you want someone to use a new technology or something like that, what what needs to be in place for them to be able to do it? And one of the things we had on our list was it has to be fun. There has to be something yeah. that gets them motivated to do it. And a lot of this stuff at Tableau was, was just things that made it fun for us to go use the technology every day because we could joke about Null Island or we could, we could try to manipulate like what showed up over there and things like that for using data. Um, well, and, and it that, works. 
Yeah, it does work. And um, I was thinking about this the other day because um, there's a new person on my team and we've been talking about like how to best get him trained. And Tableau has like a really amazing documentation on how to learn the technology and how to learn all the processes and pre-sales and all these things. But one of the things that I've been trying to think of is like, how do we recreate that environment for him as of as someone who joins the company and gets to see all these crazy people doing weird things that may or not may not be funny every day, but kind of turn into the story of, of your life and your job. Uh, so Noah right. is a great example of that. And you had a good story that I vaguely remember you telling me about, but it was something about like travels on all Island. Is that, is that it? I got I got to, I got to back you up though, because on, on your note, right? Like, that infection of Noel Island and that joke and stuff like that, like that, that wasn't just like an inside joke. Right. And this, this gets to what you're talking about, but I got another email. I got to, I got to read you. And this one is from a customer. Right. And so that's the thing is like our customers started picking up on this joke. Mm-hmm. Like we were always talking about Noel Island. And so this is a customer, um, uh, who emailed Dave Charlson, right. Big, big Charles, uh, you know, one of his big manufacturing customers and literally saying like I rescued, and here's you know I rescued you know upwards of a hundred million dollars from Null Island, you know all of that stuff that we couldn't see on the map because of our other analysis, uh, <laughs> all thanks to Tableau, right? And he's just making this joke like I rescued this from Null Island, and Dave Charleston <laughs> like emails not just the whole sales team but like you know everybody because it's Dave Charleston. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, and and just is like yeah Null Island, see you later. Uh, and, and so it's that kind of infectious, you know. So when you talk about hey, how do you? How do you adopt new things? You, you make it funny. Oh, it's totally people just pick up on that stuff. And so it our our in, inside jokes quickly became like outside jokes overnight because we would just laugh about it with customers and stuff like that. But yeah, the story you're talking about. So so Null Island, like the the developer who really got like behind this thing, Steve Pellegrin doesn't work at Tableau anymore. He's retired. Um, he actually. He actually, <laughs> I gotta find it. It's so funny. He actually he, he owns the domain nullisland.com, right? Okay. So and if you and if you go to www.nullisland.com, it's still there, and it's the Republic of Null Island, <laughs> and then a little tag says like no place on earth. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got like all these links it's got history it's got geography like he built out i mean granted like it you know it's it's bare bones right but that's almost funnier and he wrote got a pictures. lot of stuff on here he wrote like tourist oh, information and like totally. well and so that's the joke right is that literally somebody found this somehow some travel agent and legit thought i'm not saying they're a great travel agent but they thought this was a real place right because he's got a trap section and it says visit null island and it's all like talking about tourist accommodations can be found on the north shore and around the town of alamendra like you get this whole there are pictures of people like walking around and so the joke is that like and I think this really happened. I don't have an email confirming this, but I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure this was not one of Mark's, you know, fake stories. But <laughs> this travel agent, this travel agent emailed him, right? And he's got this. He's got this guy, President Smythe, who like runs Knoll Island, and he's got an email address on here. And he, he, this travel agent emailed President Smythe and was like, "I'd like to figure out how to help you get more tourism to your island." <laughs> So, but anyway, so that's that's like the perfect example of like these jokes we take so far because they're funny to us because we can't help ourselves. Um, the best one though, and this this is where I'll I'll round out this part is he's got this little shop, like this little link to like stuff yeah. you can buy, 
and he's got coffee mugs and t-shirts and stuff and it's up on zazzle or something right like you can mm-hmm. you can look at it right now you can buy can you, a null island can you actually mug. buy these things like i, yes, I was looking at it you can actually buy them for like 17 dollars oh <laughs> it's got ratings i'm oh gonna need to get a null island anything. hat i right he's got it's got it's got ratings <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Um, but so the funny thing is I was looking through my email archives and they make this big mention. So they took away Null Islands in 7.0, right? Like mm-hmm. like there was some change where it wouldn't default a bunch of lat longs. And this big joke was, you know, that Null Island was getting invaded. And like, you know, I think I may have photoshopped a, a resistance flag for Null Island. And there was this big, you know, hoopla going on. Well, so they made a comment about Null Island. I mean, this joke, right? This inside Tableau joke made it onto the TC, um, the, the Tableau conference devs right. on stage presentation, the big right. keynote, right? And they, they, they talk about it and how it's going away. It's a big joke. And then Steve Pellegrin, I got I to gotta find this email. Power of devs on stage. He actually emails like the entire development and any emails christian and it says from the null island website statistics <laughs> and his website got this huge bump in traffic because oh they made gosh. some reference about it and like all these people and then at the bottom says and an unprecedented uptick in sales and this little little like email notification from zazzle that says you recently sold five copies of your product null island mug <laughs> I'm gonna have to get myself so it, a Noah mug. Oh, or dude! Hat or everyone something. should get one because it's like the the biggest Tableau inside joke ever. It's so funny. It's the yeah. Best. I was just looking at this website, and there's so many like Tableau inside jokes I- embedded oh, yeah. in the text. Like the logo is like our our blue and our orange colors, and the uh, the dot is like exactly what it looks like on our maps when something lands oh, on yeah. an island. And then like the text all has like little nods to, um, to just jokes that we would tell internally. And it's so, so funny how that leaks into like both the entire company and then the, the, the community around the company. Right. And that, that comes from oh, yeah. like the, the work we do in the community and our Zen masters and all the people that are out there that are kind of fans of Tableau. Uh, but I think that's really cool. This so, yeah, this is like pure tableau, like the deep funny joke. Yeah, um, and so I mean, maybe we need a maybe we need to make a Null Island edition of Tableau Desktop or something I, like that. Maybe we maybe to... we do. Maybe <laughs> maybe we need to bring this back. Product Null feedback Island alias. Remembers. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Null Island remembers. All right. So that's a good one. That's a little bit more of a just a fun story about like something silly in the technology that kind of took off we have other stories i think that are maybe more about the data and how data takes off so many stories in in tableau i think a a good one for us to talk about might be the the happy hour thing the restaurant (laughs) and and how that kind of turned because it started off as innocuous enough Right, and then it kind of turned into just a yeah. huge ordeal. Twenty so, somethings wanted to drink. <laughs> so I don't know exactly how this started, but I, I remember how I got involved in it. Uh, and I think I think when Wilson and I started like becoming friends, the confluence of it was like some of the things that were kind of little internal conversations got out of control. Um, so I remember that even before I started, there were tableau happy hours and a lot of times 
the PCs would organize these happy hours, but it would turn into like a whole, whole sales team and sometimes whole company, you know, people from all over. Be right. 20 or but, 30 that, people. but at the time, whole company was like yeah. 150 people. Yeah. It, it wasn't a ton of people, but you know, 20 or 30 yeah. people might show up at one of these happy hours from across right. the company and it would be people from all levels, all management tiers. And totally. it was just a, a fun thing that people would organize every week. And I, I think my contribution to this was pretty soon after I started, I was messing around with like the, like Google Maps integration, and I made a little mm-hmm. applet that showed like you could select from a list of criteria and have it spit out a restaurant to go to lunch. Uh, and right. I just remember being really excited by this because I could like I, I never <laughs> even used it, but I just thought it was fun to, to be like, how long do I have for lunch? How far do I want to walk? And then it would spit out restaurants, and it would show me how long it would take to walk there and all this stuff. And I remember, I think I showed this to Wilson, and he was like, oh, well, maybe we should make a dashboard for our happy hours. And so we started tracking the data on when we went to happy hour, right? So it was things yes. like, where did we which, go? Which was, I mean, that was our response yep. to everything. Like, maybe we should make a dashboard out of that. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just... Is this could this potentially be a data driven scenario? Yes. Okay, we should make a dashboard out of it. <laughs> yeah, and we learned a lot about dashboard design that way because we. Yes. I remember we would like take funny pictures and put them in the dashboards. We'd try to create vises, and they didn't really mean anything. You say funny. I think was... they were. I think they were more embarrassing than funny. But yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Wilson still has a lot of these on his laptop. Maybe I'll find one to, Does, to oh post God. on the oh, on the website because I don't so, think I have them. It's like two or three computers ago, so, but I think he has some. So bad. Um, but I just remember uh, we started tracking the data behind these things, and pretty soon we were looking for more data inputs. Right? We were we were like, well, we can track the location of this, but that's not that interesting. We don't want to just create a map. We want to create an interesting dashboard. So we started tracking like how often we'd go to different places, and then we started tracking like who who decided uh, which that was the big place one. to go, and that became that took on a life of its own because we started having yes. these competitions to decide who got to decide where we went <laughs> to happy hour, and it was like. It was like crazy stuff because like at first it was like we had the little Nerf basketball hoop and it was like whoever has like a free throw competition, right? And like because Scott just sat there and like shot free throws all day, he'd always win and we'd always go to Browers, right? Yeah. But, you know, then it turned into like test one time. <laughs> there was there was like the most ridiculous stuff and it was all to decide like who got to make the decision on where we were going and and you guys were always afraid that i was gonna win (laughs) yeah because we knew that you were going to take us to west seattle which for those of you who maybe don't live in seattle is like a half hour drive from the office we always wanted to go somewhere walking distance 15 minutes it's a beautiful beautiful neighborhood complete with water views and And we went there once and no one showed up (laughs) there was like three (laughs) of us there and i think one of them was your wife um that's true so And then, so yeah, so we, and this took on a life of its own too, because we started um, our competition to decide who got to go to happy hour turned into a competition for who got to randomly decide who went to (laughs) where we went to happy hour, which was, what did you guys buy? We bought a, I I don't know what you call it. I guess it's a bingo cage. It's a, it's a cage full of of spheres that all have numbers on them and you you tumble noise it by like turning something. yeah we called it the noise gambler because it was really loud <laughs> and the other thing about the history of tableau and this still exists today but it was i just remember it from a few years ago is we all sat on the same sales floor and so when you were when you were having a call you could hear 
the people who were next to you or across the the a hall from you to having a having a sales call right and there's right. legends about who the loudest people were like kiyoshi <laughs> was always like has a really loud speaking voice especially when he's like presenting so you could always hear him on your calls but we had this bingo cage and we would turn it and it had like a hundred balls in it and each one corresponded to a bar. It took us a long time, by the way, to think of all the bar enough bars to correspond to all the balls in this. <laughs> all bingo of mine cage. were in West Seattle. <laughs> yeah. And um and it was loud. So people would be on sales call and you'd just hear this like tumbling like I don't know. It sounded like someone jingling their keys, but like into a microphone for five minutes. Uh aggressive. <laughs> and uh and that was and so we it became known as the noise gambler. So the so the competitions and this is this is where it gets like super nerdy Silicon Valley style is like we would have a like an a paper airplane flying competition and we'd spend like hours devising the right design for a paper and you're not airplane. you're not exaggerating it's and not it's see... not like hours really means 20 minutes it really means like over the course of a week we would spend hours like researching paper airplane designs and, and we'd see who could throw their paper airplane the farthest and then the winner got to roll the bingo cage <laughs> and didn't, then didn't molly just like crumple up a piece of paper and like throw it as hard as she could yeah, and she might have won. Um, she might have. <laughs> and then usually, what would happen was we would look at the 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 thing that won the bar, and we'd be like, "No, we don't feel like going there. Let's go to Browers instead." <laughs> we always go to Browers. Scott would just be like, "I'm not going there. Let's go to Browers." I'm not going unless we go to Browers. <laughs> so it was like, well, isn't that a great? Isn't that a great? Like you know, microcosm for like, hey, the data says this, and like the one person just goes. Yeah, no, we're going to do that. And, like, decision goes sideways. <laughs> but we learned a lot. And Kelly Wright, in case you're listening, we actually, I think it made us better at our jobs, not just the culture building element, but the stuff we learned through doing this, right? So the, the things I remember learning. So, one, Wilson and I made a gauge. I think this is where the ability to make <laughs> gauges comes from. Uh, people had probably done it before, but I didn't know how to do it, and Wilson didn't know how to do it. We, like, figured out the trigonometry to draw a needle on a yeah. gauge that just pointed to the number that we had rolled on the ball cage so it didn't it was about as meaningful as an actual gauge uh which is right. not at all and but we learned how to do that because of this right and right. that helped us position to customers about like when they would ask for gauges um and i remember right. there were some other things uh involved in that as well like i think on dan carpenter's birthday i learned how to make a dan carpenter backgrounded area chart for some reason yeah, uh, and and I I wouldn't have known how to make a table calc into a continuous axis that can be used as an axis to plot a picture in the background of a chart if oh, if it hadn't the, been for the that. dashboard we had for the for the happy hours like we would do we would intentionally try and do horrible things to it and you'd have to get really technical to build the gauge or to like mm -hmm. do weird hacky stuff to it but like that was I mean you know bring it back out right like that because it was fun because we were like having a fun time and we wanted to show off and we could do it like without having to like write crazy, crazy Python or like super mm -hmm. crazy, you know, scripting stuff. Like we could do it. We would just sit around and figure out hacky stuff. And you're right. Like some of the craziest stuff we figured out how to do in Tableau 
ended up helping customers or right like we turned it into hackathons with developers and stuff like that like we would we you know we were using our powers for evil quote unquote but what we learned yeah. <laughs> i don't know if this is a great moral message for the world but you know we yeah like and we got really good with our hands i mean a lot of the stuff like, that sits in our knowledge base that became part of our training or our certifications internally comes from us goofing around and and just oh, totally. trying to do some stupid thing. Do you do you remember Ty's Christmas tree? Like the first Christmas he made that he made like that background image with the Christmas tree and no. then he actually made these weird little polygons for the ornaments and you just start hovering over this Christmas tree and it blew people's minds. And it was like <laughs> this amazing example of like a, a, a custom image. Anyway, yeah, it was exact exact thing. And again, like Ty, I'm, I'm mentioning Ty Alavisos, right? We talked about Mark as like this pillar of Tableau. Well, like Ty Alavisos, you know, former Tableau, the first SC, same thing, just goofing around. Just he thought that was funny, and so he did it. And all of a sudden, it like we wrote KB articles based on the stuff he mm-hmm. would just mess around with. Like that was that was our knowledge base. Yeah, I don't know who made the um, the 3D Calder cow. Do you remember that? That was another one that I remember. <laughs> the developer. Yeah, so I think it was awesome. like someone in dev, and I, it was it was another yeah. thing where it was just like, there's no point to this, but we can learn a lot from it. And then when a customer like asks us some question that we would normally be like, eh, I don't know, uh, we could actually we had an answer. Right, and that like yeah. that helped Tableau become the company it is now. When, when uh, Vanya in dev plotted a million points on Tableau and recreated the Mona Lisa, mm-hmm. like like he just rasterized an image or something like that, and then Kiyoshi and I freaked out and we're like, oh my gosh, we just started grabbing images and rasterizing all the <laughs> pixels or whatever. I, I don't even know if that's the right word, but we just get the XY coordinates for pixels, and we just started like recreating pictures in Tableau because we could like that's that's a crazy study about you know design and Cartesian points and resolution like it was nuts like we just started doing it yeah and I'm not going to take credit for this piece but I think it I think because it's kind of comes from the genius of Russell Christopher and Mike Kravik but the Tableau like a Sith session at conference <laughs> is kind of a an extension of that to our community oh, right? so sure. if, if you're listening to this podcast and maybe you don't work for tableau if you go look at up the tableau like a sith sessions from this uh tw- 2015 and 2014 at the tableau conference it's all about stuff that you don't really need to do with tableau you probably shouldn't do in tableau that's just kind of weird or, or stupid or, or maybe that someone's asked for at some point but we don't really do and finding out how to do it uh, oh, and totally. the it's one like that I have, yeah, the one I have on my list of things to do is in the in the most recent one, Russell showed how to use Neo4j to make network charts and then plug oh, it into God. Tableau and create. He he created this really expansive network diagram of everyone in the Star Wars universe, and I think that could be used to like plot white space and sales accounts and track like relationships across our, our customer base. And it could also probably be used to track happy hour locations and, and uh, neighborhoods in oh, Seattle. Yeah. But um, like that, that's another example of something that like, there was no reason for it, but it, it turned into well, like, this I, really interesting exercise. So, I mean, this is, this is all, I mean, come back to like tableau culture and stuff like that. Like, there's room for creativity, not just in using the product, but like the culture itself. Like we applaud, uh, you know, doing crazy stuff with the software. Like we give the hackathon 
ones are are just like a slightly more focused version of that. Yeah. And it's totally and then and then we applaud and encourage and refine people who are like, I want to do a session dressed up like a Sith Lord at our conference in front of eight hundred people and teach people how to do horrible things with Tableau. And not only is it successful, they they make you do it three more times in the next year. I mean just <laughs> you know, that's that and that leaks into our customers. They talk about the weird stuff they do with Tableau and their own user groups inside their companies or their own teams and lo and behold well, should we should we talk about should we should we talk about fantasy salesperson? Should we talk about that next? Yeah, so it's I like here, here's what I want to do with that. So Okay. <laughs> I, I would like – I think this is applicable. It's, it, it tells you a lot about Tableau, but I think it's applicable to other people's jobs as well. So if you're listening to this yeah, yeah. and you want to start your very own fantasy sales league, here's how to do it, right? So okay. fantasy sales <laughs> is something that came up, I think, also related to the noise gambler uh, in essence. Anything that had to like, do with drinking or gambling was like yeah. – uh, we were always focused on those things. Yeah. It very, very appealing to us. Something that we could all get together on, right? Um, <laughs> We're of like mind. The, I think we had just finished like a season of fantasy football or something because we had kind of a, a little league at, at Tableau. And, right. and we were having fun week to week kind of teasing each other about it. And so we wanted to keep doing that. And we came up with this idea of a fantasy sales league. And I, I think it came from an argument about like who – which salesperson on a week-to-week basis would do the best, right? And yeah. at this time, there were probably 50 salespeople at Tableau, maybe a few more, maybe, maybe a few less. Yeah, that's, but, that's worldwide. Yeah. yeah, but we could actually call out people and say, well, this person, we think they're going to have a good week in terms of how much how much they sell because we can look in Salesforce and track kind of what they're, what they're tracking and, and they have a big deal come up or something like that. But then we also were balancing that against like Tableau's kind of uh, cultural insistence that people are always trying to sell a lot of transactions too, because that's how we right. build a lot of our champions. We, we sell the software in, in one license increments a lot of the time. So who's going to sell the most transactions as well. And then we had some other criteria as well. We started to build a entire fantasy sales league that had a draft and a weekly scoring system and prizes based on how we prospected salespeople <laughs> to perform every week of the quarter. Prospected is such a nice word. How we how we like evaluated their worth in the universe based on how we thought they were going to do. Well, and when you think about it, I mean, when you think about it, sales is a very statistically oriented enterprise in the same way that sports is, right? Oh, yeah. You can look at a person and you can look at their historical performance and you can look at their current behavior and start to predict what their results are going to be based on that. Uh, and <laughs> but how, like, but how quickly it could get into like superstition almost. <laughs> yeah, and it did. I mean, it, it, in the same way, like where sports, you know, everyone knows that like baseball, for example, is a sport that um, has a lot of randomness in it, and and someone you know striking out in a certain situation doesn't really tie that much to their talent level. But people still say stuff like, "Oh, he he." he choked under pressure or, or whatever. <laughs> um, it, it's the same thing in sales. Like we know that, you know, our salespeople who work with customers, if they're, if they're visiting the customer a lot, if they're, uh, if they're, 
talking about Tableau, if they're giving them an opportunity to use the product, if they're developing champions in the account. So they'll sell stuff. But then we the conversations we would get into would be, well, this guy and this guy both – uh, are are projecting a big deal this week, but I think this guy is really feeling the hot hand right now. I think he's <laughs> he, he's going to be the one. To... We, we were we were like watching him to like see like did he go out to eat? Oh yeah, he had Chipotle. Mm, I don't know if this deal's coming in this week. <laughs> uh, and the the research that we would do, I think I don't know if everyone did, but there were there were three or four of us in this league. There was probably ten people in the league, and there were three or four of us that like did extensive research on when certain deals were going to come in. It probably uh, we probably got more involved in tracking like our internal Salesforce data than we ever have in our jobs oh, yeah. as <laughs> as pre sales people, which is a we were sad. well, and we started writing the salespeople too. I remember like because mm-hmm. we because we had a pot and it was like fifty bucks, right? It was like nothing, but but you know, winning is winning because the bragging rights were everything. Winning is winning. I Good remember. Point. Oh, winning is winning is winning. You know, you know, I love it. It's true. Uh, what was it? It was it was Dan Carpenter. He I had him on my draft, and and he had some like ten k deal that was like slated to come in by the end of the week, and we had like a weekly point spread and everything else, right? And I like I thir- like, it was supposed to come in on Friday, and it was Friday at lunchtime, and I see him eating lunch, you know, in, in, in Tableau, and I go up to him, and I, you know, he's talking with some other sales guys, and I'm like, Dan, Dan, where are you at on that deal? Where are you at on that deal? I need you to bring that in today, and he just looks at me, and he's just like, Are you kidding me right now? You are not my manager. You get out because you know salespeople. That's like that's all they live and breathe when they're waiting for a deal to come in. Like that's that's all they can think about it. Here's this like pre-sales guy who is supposed to help him bring in these deals, like riding him like I'm his manager. And I'm like, dude, no, seriously, I need that deal to come in. And he can't believe his ears. He's like, are you kidding me right now? You're not going to ride me on this deal. <laughs> we used to do that. Oh, that was the best. It was I so remember, funny. But, but you're right. Yeah, I remember Scott. So Scott Wasserman um, <laughs> no longer works at Tableau. Uh, but he, I mean, Scott would do anything to go to Browers. So maybe we've said Browers two or four times <laughs> in this podcast, but Browers is is a bar that's two or three blocks from the Tableau it's campus, amazing. and it's Belgian, German, lots of different types of beer and good, you know, sausages and burgers and things like that. And it's a it's a good bar, and we liked going there. But Scott would do anything to go to Browers. Like if there was anything he could do to increase his odds of going to Browers, he would do it. So he started going on calls with customers that he wouldn't <laughs> normally go on or it, it, giving the rep, like say, go, go do a, a prospecting call with another league. I'll, I'll go close this deal, right? Just because he wanted to, to make, have a better week we were, and fantasy we were sales. We kind of assigned by So he could say we need to go to Browers, yeah. <laughs> and he was all over the place. We're like, Scott, what are you doing on this call? It's not your team. It's not your territory. He's like, no, I'm just helping out. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is uncharacteristic of Scott at that time. <laughs> yeah. And I remember we had a rep named Amaris Morrison who Uh, found out we were doing this and started like trolling the PC area to find (laughs) out like who had her on her on their team. And so she could be like, well, if you help me on this call, I'll help you win your fantasy sales league, (laughs) which the thing that Amaris didn't realize was that we didn't really care that much. Right. Like we cared enough to like for for Scott to go on a call or for us to like joke with each other about it but like the second right. it got to anything more than that we weren't competing for a prize we were just competing no, for was... like bragging rights or... and and who where we were going to go drink beer which we were going to do no matter what so right. but it was still funny <laughs> that she picked up on it and then well, eventually and kelly she... picked up on it 
Well, but Amaris got mad because she found out that we kept free agenting her. <laughs> like we would do that because what we we'd play that game right where we're like it was all about transactions, but then it was all about money too. We were trying to find the balance, and so like I developed this strategy because I had I think I had John Jensen early on, and he would just sell licenses like crazy. But then I switched my strategy like halfway through the month where I wanted like bigger deals and the enterprise guys those wouldn't come in towards the end and so like i'd pick up amaris because she'd be like you know she'd close stuff every week but then towards the, the very end you want the the enterprise guys back because they're going to land these like whopper deals or something like that and i remember like i free agented her and then we were doing a trade session and like no one picked her up and she found out she got mad she was just like she felt like it was this indictment on her sales capability and we're like no 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 no. you're just in that zone of not closing no yeah she was a popular she was a popular free agent <laughs> target because we knew that she closed like a lot of deals so it was right. we were just always speculating on like is this the week where she closes 14 deals <laughs> right like is this that week and so someone right. else would pick her up and, and so it actually meant she was a really good salesperson that we were doing that but no totally she was yeah. But it just like one week she didn't get picked because we all switched our strategies and she found out and she got mad. Yeah. And I remember that JJ, was, was you day. mentioned JJ, because, and I remember he had, for some reason, I don't think he did this on purpose, but like he would sell these big deals. He would sell like 20 licenses to someone, but they'd all yeah. come in as individual transactions. And I don't remember why this happened. It might have been a problem with our system, but we were like, well, we oh, can't, we can't, you know, we can't not recognize this so dustin gets 20 transactions for this one deal oh i was leading like by like the end of that quarter i was leading up until the very last day until tim lens got well, that I remember monster that deal tim lens won oh. and he didn't even he was like kind of halfway through the season he was like well yeah i'll play why not yeah and he was like well just give me whatever reps you want and so we like assigned he's that guy to people. in the league who d- never touches their lineup ever and then yeah. just and then like wins. somehow miraculously ends up winning it all uh, so sa- fantasy sales. So the things I learned from fantasy sales that I still apply to this day are some of the um, some of the techniques of of reporting on like our Alpo sales data that uh, in Tableau that over the course of my time at the company. Um, that's where I've learned a lot about how to use our software is like saying, well, we've got this data. It's structured in kind of a weird way where there's all these different tables and views out there. And I need to figure out how to track changes over time, or I need to try to find a way to forecast um, pipeline or something like that. And that's, that's how I learned was just getting in and just asking questions. So it kind of motivated me to ask a lot of those questions that I wouldn't have normally asked. Um, and I, I, we're going to talk about this a little bit on the next show because Aaron Stevens is my next guest next week. So uh, we're going to oh, talk a little bit yeah. about... You know she's doing marketing, right? Yeah. So um, yeah. She's, got a, she's got a really good history of like knowing what what happens in our internal instances and, and versions of... SQL Server and, and how we track uh, the Salesforce data. So, like, uh, that's something that applies to a lot of our customers. In how do we how do we actually track those really important pieces of sales data? Um, and I learned all yeah. that from this fantasy sales league, uh, which I think the best part of it was when Kelly Wright found out about it and then sent out an email to the entire sales team. And I think she, I think it was your fault. And I think it was (laughs) like, it was partly like she was trying to show that she was cool with it, but also 
like kind of passive aggressively being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Stop it. <laughs> right. Cause she sent out an email we, being like, we were hiding, we were hiding the dashboards on Alpo on our internal Tableau server instance, but we had like permissioned out this little folder. Like I remember I was, you know, so Andrew was talking a couple episodes ago about like, you know, it used to do, you could just see everything on Alpo, right. It was just mm-hmm. like wide open. You could do, you know, and we had this little tiny permissioned folder. Like we were trying to hide our dashboards or something on it. And she was like, yeah, show me the dashboards. And we're like, uh, uh, and Wasserman was just like, "Who told? Who told Kelly about the fantasy salespeople?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oop! I think it was me. I think it was you. <laughs> I think it was me." But yeah, she wanted to see it because we were we were really accurate. Like we were we were really accurate. Yeah, I don't know that any of our uh, dashboards or analyses got incorporated into how we forecast now at Tableau, but I don't know that they didn't. I like to think that, right? <laughs> I like to think that there's still a dashboard for Charles Schaefer that is still getting used. It's called. It's like it's like a secret dashboard that they like gut check against. So like, all right, our forecast has this. Let's bring up the old Charles dashboard. And the see, Schaefer plan. See how yeah, we heard about that earlier. Schaefer plan. <laughs> Yeah, we've got all these models, right? We always talk about the forecast <laughs> models we use. We've got like eight different models right. we use. And then we check against the Schaefer plan. The Schaefer uh, plan. Ah, Schaefer plan says no. Schaefer plan says no. <laughs> Sorry. All the models say yes. Schaefer plan says no. So we're not doing it. we got to gotta find <laughs> a different way. Uh, what else do we have? Um, oh, the, the oh. other thing that I thought was really cool that you brought up was um, was when we, when we have meetings at Tableau. So this yeah, is another awful. piece of like, a data-driven culture of working at a company that's got a lot of like tried and true, actually respected Viz experts like Jack McKinley and yeah. it, and the people that that work at Tableau Kosara that have like that are published on these topics. Yeah, we go to we go to meetings all the time, and it's extremely popular to have a meeting at Tableau where you have a dashboard or some sort of Viz that shows your argument. Like, well, we're doing this. We we're tracking sales this way. We're tracking bugs and defects in Dev this way. We're we're monitoring leads, leads. Whatever. Um, here's the Viz. Right. The the percentage. What percentage of the time would you say those meetings actually go as planned? And what percentage of the time would you say they turn into a Viz review session? Oh, it's a hundred percent. All like it's it's like a rule. It's like a rule. So you know, Cotgreaves Law, like it kind of kind of plays into this a little bit, right? Like it's it's uh you know, where four or more no, where three or more Tableau people are gathered, and a dashboard has been presented, and time is longer than ninety seconds, like like someone will just like it doesn't matter what you're talking about you could be showing like a wrong viz intentionally and someone will just be like you know you should really do <laughs> and they just turn, it turns into and it's, it's not just, well, so, so it's it, not what you should do about marketing leads it's no. why did you use a line chart there why didn't you try yeah. a heat map right <laughs> why that shade of blue well so it's so uh, the, my first exposure to this was hilarious and this is where this is i think like i was listening to the Cogreaves law session uh mm-hmm. podcast you know and and this i think i kind of know where andy's coming from this one he's talking kind of like new york times visuals and stuff like that and, and so charles refresh me exactly what Cogreaves law is because i want to make sure i have it right yeah so it's about the Cogreaves law is about um how meaningful visualizations are like how um how impactful they are and there's an inverse relationship between how impactful a viz is and the amount of time it takes for someone to critique it um and the example (laughs) he gives is the new york times of tracking 
um, the introduction of vaccines, right? So uh, there's a really there was a really impactful viz that was a highlight table tracking like when over time vaccines were introduced in different states and the rate of polio. And the rate of polio like disappears as soon as the vaccine is introduced. But it took a very little amount of time for people in the comments of this article to start saying, well, geez, you're tracking time. Why are you, why are you using a highlight table instead of a line chart? Right. Even though it was a really interesting and impactful visualization because it wasn't technically Stephen few, I guess it's Tufty analytics, best yeah. practices. Right. Um, <laughs> well, and, and I love this because Cargill's law is really just like a really nice way of saying, this is why we can't have nice things. Like this is <laughs> like, it's so true. So I which think is, I know where this parsley comes from. Yeah. Which Andy. is like exactly it's, it's a, it's a cautionary tale because I'm always, I'm, I very much prescribe to like Andy's, saying that like a viz should start a conversation well it shouldn't yeah. start a conversation too much or you'll never finish your meeting right like you have an hour <laughs> so, like <laughs> so two maybe two three years ago right so andy's been a company like five years something like that he's so he works over in london and uh he comes over like two or three years ago and we used to do you know my previous boss ellie fields you know product marketing vp like her big thing was you know she worked at the company a long time and like every time we put a website or every time we put a, a dashboard on the website or you know whatever you know it, it created a dashboard anywhere, anytime, any visualization, right? It, you, visual best practice is a huge deal, you know? And it was awesome. It was awesome that that was so thoroughly just part of being in marketing. But we would do these viz reviews, like, and they would be called viz review or viz critique. And we would get in a meeting room and we would, like, you know, and sometimes it was just marketing people, but oftentimes Jock McKinley would be invited, sometimes Chris Stolte, I mean, Robert Quasar. I mean, especially if it was going to be like a big time. Like, hey, we're going to put this front and center on the website or whatever. And so, and it's, and it's terrifying, right? And it's terrifying, one, because you've got these, you know, people who are just huge in the space. I mean, just published doctoral, I mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah, um, I was but reading uh, it's, it's, Alberto Cairo's oh, book a, a couple months ago, and like, he's, his, all his footnotes are John McKinley. Uh, yeah, and, it's crazy. You have no idea that they just yeah, and so the, these people are in the room. But you know, if you've ever met Jock, he's like the least threatening person in the entire world. He just wants to see cool stuff, right? No, but it's terrifying though because the software is so. I mean, right? You just move stuff around that people don't even like wait until you're finished. It it it's so quickly, and I'll use the word devolves because it very much feels like that when you're doing these things. People just start like throwing comments at you, like, no, move it to the left. No, other left. No. Mm -hmm. And there's like another rule in here of like how quickly someone gets out of their seat and starts like, especially if you're projecting on like a, a screen, they start like tapping on the screen. No, 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 do this. No, 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 no. click here. Click there. <laughs> so Andy, Andy went through one of these like two and a half years ago and I, I tried to warn him because he'd never done it. And it's in Van Gogh, one of our bigger conference rooms, and there's like twenty people and I I was calling it the hot seat. I was like, you ready for the hot seat? You ready for the hot seat? And he's like, yeah, sure. Okay. Right. And he's got this great vision that he's made. Right. I can't remember what it was, but I just remember, I mean, all of Andy's stuff is really well done. The guy, the guy does incredible stuff. Um, and he's got this great, maybe his mobile phone data. I don't know, whatever. And he brings it up and I swear, like it starts off peaceably enough, right? Very civil. Everyone's like, "Oh, it's great, Viz. You know, good job. Compliment sandwich. You know, maybe if you thought about changing the font to blah 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 blah, right? Or maybe if you thought about, you know, whatever, slight subtle changes, and it's like less than four minutes, 
you've got people just be like, you know what I would really do is take this whole thing and just and it and by the end of it, like Andy's up there like practically crying. He's he's like red in the face because he can't keep up, and people are are like shouting over each other, and it's totally not hostile. That's the funniest thing about these things is they're like not hostile whatsoever. It's just people get so amped up at this company to like talk about visualizations and analytics and best practices like they just they go crazy and so it literally like at the whole crux of it and it is kind of a double-edged sword because it's awesome right you you want what a great problem to have that you you walk into a meeting and and people don't just you know digest a visualization you put up in front of them right they actually want to know well hey Where'd you get this? How'd you do it? What if we, I mean, it, it is the core of what we always hope will happen when someone is presented with data, like, the, you know, cycle of visual analytics, <laughs> but it can run rampant. And because it's so easy in Tableau to just click, click, drag, drag, do stuff, like, it gets real time. It's not like, hey, come back next week and do this. It's like, no, 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 go to that sheet right now, crack it open. I want to see this, this, and this. Um, you want to hear my, I've got a little, I've got like the uh, what I think of as the ultimate evolution of this story uh, happened like happened like yeah two weeks I want to I want to say something else first because I think this like, okay. what, you, what you just mentioned is actually really important for kind of people that work with data and people that use Tableau. Uh, you brought up the cycle of visual analytics and yes. it, it kind of it it it's just something that I want to talk a, a, for a couple minutes about because it it ties into all these stories right, which is that data analysis should be a conversation and a process, not an endpoint. And I think there's actually a piece right above that, that, that kind of drives that cycle of you're never done, right? You, you ask a question, no. you analyze data, you present the findings, you, uh, you decide what to do, and then you analyze again, right? And you're always going through that cycle. The, the thing that, that's kind of been my soapbox thing for the last few months and that I've kind of been trying to bring to more and more customers is this idea of uh, the difference between analysis and presentation, of data yes. right? as two separate things, two separate skills that sometimes intersect in the things we're describing of going into a viz review and having a, a conversation. That's, that's an example of it intersecting, right? But they're actually two separate exercises. And I think those being clearly differentiated and defined is a really key, important thing to specifically to Tableau because traditionally people use data analysis software and BI and products like Tableau for presentation only. And they don't really think mm -hmm. about the analysis side or what, what you might call interrogation, totally agree. right? Or ex exploration or whatever you want to call it in terms of just understanding things and not thinking about how to present them, right? Um, so I think that dif that difference is important to understand. And then you get into this cycle where, yeah, you're having a meeting. And yeah, the fact that it turns into a viz review is funny and kind of uh, and maybe sometimes takes away from the conversation that you should be having. But also the reason that can even happen is because someone looks at your vision and immediately knows the answer to the question, right? Because you've already done the yes. analysis and now you've found the best way to present it. And that ties really well into the Cotgreaves law and just Andy's style of provocative visualizations. Like he likes to break uh, visual best practices to catch people's eye. Like that's that's one of the things yeah. he does with every viz or he does is tries to break convention. That's a great one, right? Yeah. Like, like it, there's a journalistic component to what he does, and it's and it's beautiful because it just taps into that part of the brain that like that because that's that's what all that's what data analysis is like asking and answering questions. And so you like, mm -hmm. yeah, he's he's genius at it.
So when you like when we talk about these sessions in marketing or, or other departments that turn into visual review sessions, like that's actually a good thing because it shows that the analysis part and the presentation part were effective enough to drive a conversation and then the rest yeah. of it is just that cycle of analysis and you get so much done just through talking about the best way to present the data because you learn all these additional things as part of that process so well and the hopefully best, that ties the best into your best example oh it does well because the, the, the hilarious part of this is is if someone comes into a meeting who's outside of tableau and mm -hmm. it doesn't know about that rule, like doesn't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> they get ambushed. And then again, not in a hostile way. This happened like two weeks ago. I was in a big meeting with a lot of our, our senior staff. And this is the best thing about Tableau senior staff, right, is everyone's a product expert. Like everybody's a product expert. Yeah, Christian from, is known for getting up in front of oh, people at like a biz, at a viz review or like I think we used to do those like iron viz things internally and he like had oh, yeah. very pointed criticism of people. Anyway, go oh, ahead. He, build stuff no yeah no he's like he's he's awesome at it he's really really good at it and so you know he, a bunch of people in this you know large conference room and someone from outside the company from um, a rather large analyst firm was was visiting us and this person was senior in that company as well and they had data to share about a survey that they had done um and they presented it in tableau and it was awesome and there was story points and it was actually very well done and i'm not saying that you know that's that's a thing we don't see often, right? But it's it's always refreshing when you know someone comes in. The with way Tableau you said that, that though like is is kind of like um, <laughs> trying to figure out like the 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 PC way of saying this. It's kind of like when someone on Fox News refers to someone else's articulate, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, it just you know what I'm talking about. Like how yeah. often in Tableau do we see people just build like the basic bar charts that you know it's like it's so little effort to go one step further but it's just you know it's the, it's the minimum bar and we see that a lot across the, across the organization and this was so much more than that right there were story points there was it was it was time and effort and dedication not just to the data but into the presentation right not just into the anal analysis but also the presentation and the narrative of what was discovered mm -hmm. in this data set and i was loving it i was i was great well <laughs> we get like 15 minutes in and and which you know that was a lot of restraint for us tableau folks yeah and there's a data point and and somebody who is very senior raised their hand and said what's that and the person from outside tableau was like oh you know this is we're still in the process of, of analyzing this that's probably an outlier or something like that and this is really it's not sensitive data from a customer perspective but it's you know like it's mm -hmm. it's survey results they're not going to show you the underlying data and this person goes, you know, this person tries to proceed with the presentation. And this person goes, no, 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 go back. And then it turns into this, right-click on that and show me the underlying data. <laughs> and she's like, no, I can't, I can't do that. <laughs> um, and then it turned into like, okay, go to the sheet really quick and drag the pill over here. And like, it just, like, within a minute, it devolves into this. And the most amazing part of this was not that it happened. It's that the person giving the presentation who does not work at Tableau just handled it like a champ it, clearly surprised because again this person got out of their chair was like tapping on the screen was like no 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 no, this doesn't look right you got to look at your data like it, right. it, it so quickly devolved into this you know we got to move all these things around <laughs> and this person you know played along for a little while but then also was like no 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 no, it's fine like this is this is a data exercise and it occurs to me like as we're talking about this that this person 
either if they they knew that this was happening or they just understood it kind of intuitively that this other person at Tableau who had questions about the data was trying to engage in that cycle of like we have to we have to rip right. this thing apart and just understand what's going on and this person was in a very deft manner saying I understand what's happening here don't worry now's not the time to do that we have more things to talk about we can we can move through this but it was shocking to me how everyone else around the table like totally some people kind of participated but like the overall reaction was like oh yeah no you should definitely crack into that data like there was yeah. no there was no shock there was no it was like oh no this is this is what we do here like if you know if we have a data question you should rip into it and it just and I honestly had like this that's the way funny. people think about data like when we do you know i don't i don't know how much you remember from your pre-sales days but if we would do a demo with customer data Boons that help. would be the reaction we'd, we'd show it to people and they'd be like no that number doesn't look right right or, yeah. <laughs> or something like, or no, I, I don't think that that could, you know, it, it could be a filter. It could be, you know, we're looking at a different time frame. We're looking at a, a sample of the day and so the whole thing. But like, that's yeah. how people react to information that is presented clearly to them in this cycle. Right. Um, yeah. I have, a, a, I have a good example of that as well. Thing. Yeah. Um, just, uh, you reminded me of this point from when we, uh, when we started a partnership with, um, with Informatica. Right. So a few years ago, we, we started partnering with uh, this firm Informatica, which does a lot of ETL and data prep work. And they were uh, they were showing us a demo of one of their new pieces of software. And then they went into a demo of how you'd use it in Tableau. And <laughs> what um, what some people in the room realized and some didn't was that this guy was following the demo methodology of demo to win. Dustin, are you familiar with this? Ah, uh, yes. It demo involves... It involves building wireframes of the technology you're demoing rather than actually showing the technology. So the guy was <laughs> showing a PowerPoint deck, but John Jensen didn't know that he was showing a PowerPoint deck. Uh, and he was showing a demo of Tableau in a PowerPoint deck. So we would click like where, you know, it, it was a screenshot of the Tableau interface and we would double click in on in the data window and it would build a viz, that right? Takes and me it would back. And then John Jensen pauses the meeting and he's like, hang on. No, no, no. Drag this to color. And the guy just kind of stops and stares. And <laughs> everyone else in the room is like, JJ, no, it's not. He's not yeah. actually showing Tableau. It's not demo time. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's not yeah, I mean, time, it's, it's, uh, JJ. JJ's a – we could do a whole episode on JJ. Actually, I think he might be a guest. Uh, I, I was oh, talking totally. to him a few weeks ago. So hopefully we can do that. But um, anyway. Yeah, good story. <laughs> oh, what's next on the agenda? What we got? We got some um, other funny ones. Uh, the other thing that I had written down was about tables in the east. Oh, oh, this is this is like the dark side. Well, it's not the dark side. It's it's what happens when you anger the data nerds. <laughs> so tables in the east is like a well known sentence right in tableau world yes. both i think internal yes. and external like i even go to customers now that know about tables in the east uh because so, so, so this is I, I i've had epiphany about this and i, I just need to and, and i have a i have a phrase and i'm gonna jump in front of you charles because this is i feel like this finish, is a beautiful genius thought but... <laughs> i'm gonna let you finish <laughs> but charles had the best album of the year no um so 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 tables in the east right like you know anybody that's used Tableau understands probably that it comes with a sample Excel data set called Superstore, right? And and there is a story in that data um, that has to do with t 
tables, a product that the superstore sells, not being profitable in the East. Like that's the whole joke, right? Mm. The the interesting thing about this, and Charles, you totally just hit on this, right? You there are customers that you can say that phrase, tables in the East too. And immediately, immediately, right, it taps into this, you understand their level of knowledge, you understand, you know, that they've used Superstore. And it made me realize that that Superstore is like this Rosetta Stone, not just for our company, but for like our customers. Like it is, it is like whenever we tackle a problem, right, we're like, all right, let's mock it up in Superstore. Like it's just this commonly understood middle ground of, and, and that, and that like that makes the story like so when you understand that like this is this is the translation key yeah. for so much of how we No, work I'm with glad stuff. you brought that up. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of that in this context, but that's exact that's entirely true, right? It's, I noticed a couple of years exactly, ago that exactly. if a customer or a colleague was was coming to me with a challenge in Tableau um, I, the first thing I would think of is I would translate it into Superstore and then solve yes. the problem and then translate it back to what they were thinking about. Right. Right. So they'd right. be talking it's, about it's some like measure or so to mention. I'd be, and I'd just start saying sales, right? I'd be like, oh, you want to write this calculation? You want to do sales divided? And then be like, oh, wait, no, you're talking about HR data. You're probably talking this. But I would just think about it in terms of Superstore data. Yeah. Totally. And it just, it, it's like, it's built into the foundational way that Tableau people learn Tableau, and I mean Tableau people like not just working at Tableau, but people that have gone through our training mechanisms and video. Like it's just this, it's just such an easy way, and it's so core to how people learn in Excel and then migrate to Tableau and stuff like that. So, so yeah, this this little tidbit. So anyway, Superstore is like legendary. I mean, it is everybody at Tableau. Knows I mean, when Superstore, you become everybody. a what we call gold certified, which is like the highest kind of the highest honor of, of, of knowledge of Tableau that we have internally, yeah, you learn to do all these different challenges uh, in Superstore, you learn to solve all these really complex problems. And then when you go visit a customer, you if it if you can ring the part of your memory where you did the, something sort of similar in Superstore, then it makes it so easy to solve the customer problem because then oh, now yeah. you're just translating rather than figuring out the entire math problem or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, oh, it is. So tables in the east. Foundational. Yeah. yeah. So so tables in the east is the story, right? That it, that that Superstore is one of several stories, but in the data and the data is engineered very carefully. You know, and it's part of how we demo the software to tell a story. But effectively, it's like in this data discovery exercise, you discover via a certain, you know, path of data discovery that shows off Tableau capabilities that tables in the East, in the United States, are not profitable. And it has to do with shipping costs, right? And so, like, that's that's the story. Like, that is that, you know, we teach anybody that's ever going to talk to customers about Tableau, we teach them the not just that story but how to do it in tableau in like the first two to three weeks like it's like mandatory everybody yep. you know it's our dog fooding process so so a couple years ago <laughs> they decided that they were going to like really redo superstore right they wanted to make it more global um you know it's gonna it's it's going to have a lot of other aspects to it. It's just a bunch of stuff they're going to you know change to it. And we're like, oh, that's awesome, right? We're gonna we're gonna have more stuff to it. Well, net net, right? They get done with this process, this new product manager, um, and they just like they just broke it. 
Like they just they they made it bigger by just tacking on a bunch of data, and then they kind of just replicated a bunch of stuff. And so all the trend lines and all the things like it just instead of looking like an organic business, and that was yeah, the so thing about the data set. The background it just is like a real business. Yeah, the background is we had we had taken data from I think like a Staples or something that we got when we first something. started selling Tableau. And then we had scrubbed it and then Mark had gone in and probably some other people too and yeah. kind of made it tell a story and been like, well, I want to tell this Tables in the East story. So we're going to make the data sort of represent these different elements across these different regions and states and things like that. So when you did a trend line, a trend line went in a certain direction. When you analyzed right. the categorical sales, like they showed certain really ways. hard effort. It's, it's really hard to hard do, that to do that with thousands way. of records of data in a way yeah. that looks organic, right? And so a lot of time went into that, and it, it demos really well, and it, and it works well for conversations, but it's it's not so cut and dry that it looks manufactured, really. I mean, Totally. So, well, until, yeah, so they, until they, they modified it. Yeah, so they and made then, these changes, and, and, and that story kind of went away. <laughs> yeah, and it was funny because... It took everyone a couple days. Everyone's like, oh, the new Superstore. Oh, it's good. Awesome. Started using it. And it was just like immediately the product consultants were like, where's Tables in the East? Like like Tables in the East were like wildly profitable. Or no, it was even worse. They were just like marginally profitable. Right? There was mm-hmm. no story anymore. And like all the trend lines just like did this straight 45 degree turn or something like that. And everyone was like, oh. And there was this weird stifled outrage. Right, because everyone was angry, but they couldn't put their finger on like what. I mean, they knew what was broken, but everyone was just like, "Well, just you know, you know, change your demo." Right? It wasn't this. There was this kind of like weird. Everyone was really, really pissed about it, and it and it took me a while to like really like even in the last year or so to kind of figure out why that was so bad. They broke the Rosetta Stone. They broke it. They fixed it eventually. Right? It was all good, but it was like this tableau outrage. Like you broke the thing. You broke our language. You, yeah. you, you disabled our ability to do the thing that we know to communicate with our customers and amongst ourselves. And, and it has to you be have a our universal trust. story because when yes. it has to be complex enough that it, it resembles a use case for our, for our customers and for our pre-sales people, but it has to be digestible enough that we can yeah. go and we can tell a 10-minute story and have everyone get it. And everyone get what we do and how how we do it and all these pieces. Yeah, it has to be both believable and have an element of realism and complexity to it. So it's a really important chunk of that whole thing. So there was the outrage around that. But then there was also the other thing with Tables of the East that you mentioned to me that I I kind of vaguely remembered was this training situation where a customer (laughs) took a training. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I I I think it was Molly that was telling us this or somebody, right? Like they were doing these these training sessions where like 20 or 30 people show up and they fly out and you know do these trainings, right? And somebody was from a fraud analysis department or something like that and they came up at the end of this training session and they just dropped this line. You know somebody's defrauding Superstore, right? Or something like that and and, and so the conversation goes like, what? And they brought it up like later on in the middle of class. Like, yeah, no, there's fraud. Like, like literally, your numbers don't match up. And they had run some analysis just trying to balance the books of Superstore, (laughs) like an accountant. And they totally didn't line up. Like, and they had traced it back to like one customer was playing some game with returns or something like that. And I don't, I don't think it's a legitimate story. Although, 
Mark Reeder, crafty guy. I bet Mark would claim that he had thought of that (laughs) when he designed it. Like, I don't think he actually did. But I think if you asked him about it now, he'd be like, oh, yeah, oh, sure, sure. Well, I was thinking about that when I created the data set. And I was like, well, it it stands to reason. (laughs) Um, So (laughs) I think... Uh, but yeah, so that was just like, I found that like a really, a really funny thing. And I remember Molly mentioning that like years ago, but I didn't remember until you, you brought it up with me, but that also speaks to the language, right? Yeah. How flexible is Zeta stone that you've, you've, it's like discovering a whole nother compartment to your vocabulary that now you've got this different story to tell with it. It, it yeah that was a good one yeah it's something that always people people always say about great literature right is that people like apply their own stories to it later on like after melville died like people were still reading moby dick and being like oh this is about the industrial revolution or this is about whatever <laughs> right and he never thought of that when he was writing it but like the fact that you can go back and, and apply those it doesn't mean that, that it doesn't mean that right and it doesn't like to the people that uh, that read it. And so like with Superstore, right. it doesn't, you know, the fact that people can derive meaning from it in that way shows like how good of a tool, tool it is for us and yeah, for both demos the super and, story for and customers learning or the yeah. industrial revolution. Yeah. The is white that, whale. Is that what um, yeah. <laughs> Not a lot of people know this, but it was originally fishing data. Uh, and we changed it to <laughs> ask Mark reader. Yeah, that's why he lives in the Pacific now. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, okay. So I, I think I think this is a this is a good point to wrap up our stories about uh, data at Tableau and how being data nerds uh, affects our experience. But I, our every- I, you you mentioned outrage, and I was wondering if you had any other good stories uh, as do. we wrap up here about Tableau outrage. I- I do, I do. And so, and how how easily how easily, you know, Tableau people are nice people. Like, and this it, gets it, into it like the awesome. more Silicon Valley of the Silicon Valley oh, yeah. category of business, right? Oh, Where yeah. We're talking about oh. people, young people, and getting entitled and all these elements. Yep. But it, it is oh, yeah. a, it's like a real thing that happens. Really happens. A company like Tableau. So Tableau people are awesome, right? And and we're you know one of the cool things about Tableau as a culture, both from a management standpoint and the employee standpoint, is like, you know, we work really hard. It's you know startup mentality and all that sort of stuff. We work a lot of hours. And one of the things the management is really cool about is we don't have a catered kitchen. Like you know, it's not a Google scenario, but there's a stocked kitchen, so there's food in there. But then every Friday. They bring in bagels, like fresh bagels. So it's called Bagel Friday. And it's a huge deal. Like people get really, really excited for it. There's lots of different flavors. And then they started adding schmears. And, and then we had to have a conversation about what's the difference between schmear and, and, you know, cream cheese and yada, 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 right? It's all this good stuff. Well, you know, Tableau starts to grow. We start to open up different offices. And we open up this office in Austin. Charles, you've been to Austin, correct? Yes. Yes, you have. And, and Austin likes to keep it weird, right? But Austin also That's what they say. Uh, yeah. loves itself. Some some breakfast tacos. Like you can get some serious breakfast tacos now. Now, just slightly slight tangent. I always thought of them as breakfast burritos, but apparently my terminology is wrong. According to I the think Austin, both of those both of those terms can be used, but the thing they have in Austin, I think, is a breakfast taco. Yeah, breakfast taco. Okay. Well, so what happens is that Austin needing to be weird and different was like, no, we don't do Eggle Friday. We do breakfast taco Friday, which. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's awesome, right? And so I remember I may or may not have, you know, found myself in Austin a couple Fridays intentionally. Uh, and, I mean, we're talking, like, sausage and chorizo and miga. I mean, it was awesome, right? So this goes on for, like, a year or something like that. And then they announced that they're switching, like, who they get their breakfast food from on Fridays, and it's going to be bagels. 
<laughs> and 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 like you know, I can. There's a in in a normal professional environment. I think most people would be like, oh, you know, I really like the breakfast tacos, but you know, I'm I'm glad we're getting like bagels still, whatever, right? I mean, things happen. Okay, whatever. No, 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 no. no. There's tableau. There was like this, and again, it's faux outrage. Like no one is legitimately angry at all. Some people are like genuinely disappointed, but their email threads that started, and someone started an online petition, and I checked it. It's still up. You can still sign it. <laughs> you can still, and there's all these comments, and there's even a viz that says average productivity index, and it has bagel versus breakfast taco. And people voted, and they they are claiming this is a data driven argument that that you are it's four times more productive when you have a breakfast taco versus a bagel. <laughs> uh, and so anyway, this thing got this thing got like thirty four signatures and twenty six comments, which tells you people really they just wanted to be heard more than they actually wanted to vote. But anyway, they sent around this like online petition. And it's so funny because you could take this out of context really easily. You could be like, "Wow, Tableau folks are like really, really entitled. But it actually had so much more to do with just like, like we were almost mocking ourselves because like, I signed the petition and then people were like, you're not even in, in Austin. And I was like, whatever, dude, I come down there eat the breakfast tacos. But it was just this whole thing of just like, you know, there was genuine outrage about the data being messed up because that broke away for us to have a conversation with each other and our customers and things like that. The breakfast taco rage was, was so much more just like we knew that we were so blessed to have a, a company that would give us tacos on Friday and then they tweaked it slightly and it's almost, I mean, I don't know, call it, call it Gen Y or millennial, you know, sarcastic mm -hmm. thank you, whatever you want to call it. But this like, we're going to make such a big deal out of the fact that you've <laughs> fixed breakfast tacos or like switched them by doing this online petition. It's actually us saying we don't care. I mean, you know, we wish we had breakfast tacos, but we love everything that we get to do with this company, and it's just funny that this is the biggest thing we have to complain about. And it was a huge joke, and everyone got a huge laugh out of it. It was funny. So yeah, outrage, outrage, plenty at Tableau. Yeah, the I mean, the, the bagels thing is a great example, and I've over the years I've come to appreciate that story more because now I live in New York, and you've lived in New York, and you know that the bagels they bring in for Bagel Friday aren't the best bagels in the world, no. right? No. But I mean, they're not. It's bad, just about. The, it's about the tradition and the community, and it's about the fact that Mark Reeder somehow kept pumpernickel bagels in the box, even though no one ate it's them besides sense. him. Oh, like, <laughs> like I work in development now for Mark, right? And they, there's like this special section of pumpernickel bagels. The guy doesn't even even eat bagels in Seattle anymore, and they still have these like pumpernickel bagels that like, and people think they're chocolate, and they'll eat them, and they're like, oh, what is this? And I'm just like, oh, Mark, how did you make this happen? Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> Bagels in the East. <gasps> I just thought of that. Maybe bagels. That needs to be a new data set. Dude, you need to... Um, don't break the data set, Charles. Don't do it. You're playing with fire. <laughs> um, all right, Dustin. Thank you for the tour and conversation around Tableau Insider. Uh, I learned a lot of things that I, I knew kind of part of the story of and, uh, and learned more about today. And I think it's pretty cool to just talk about the history and the, the community and a lot of the things that have been affected by our approach to data in a lot of ways. I think it's, it's, uh, it's something that as, you know, new people join Tableau, like we can keep those traditions alive just from a storytelling perspective, but also to, to, to help us keep the culture and the education that make the company special in place. So I really appreciate totally. Thank you, you, uh, you doing that with Tableau. us. Thank you. I love it. Great Thank job. you for having me on. <laughs>